Hi, I'm Kevin DeCristofano. I'm Sean Flanagan. We are the Ninja Turtle Nerds, your weekly podcast where we discuss the Ninja Turtle comics one issue at a time. Candyman. <laughs> Is that what's on your mind? It's been on my mind since I've seen it. I think that's the, the movie I've enjoyed the most so far this year. I've never seen a Candyman. Is is that? But that's one of the things where if you say it three times, he shows up, right? Yeah, you say it five times in the mirror, he shows up, and bad things happen. Five. Five. Oh, okay. Bloody uh, Mary. Well, we said it twice now. But Bloody Mary's thirteen, apparently. That's too much. That's so that's why she never showed up because we never <laughs> got that far. But no, no, if. Uh, yeah, you you kind of like horror movies. You don't have to have seen the original movie, but. I thought that was really good. I actually went to the theater for three movies this past weekend. So I saw that, The Night House, which was kind of cool, and the Aretha Franklin biopic, which was okay, but glossed over things in a way that was kind of bizarre to me. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering when they're going to run out of artists to keep doing those biopic movies. <laughs> I'm waiting for when they do them about stuff we grew up on. Oh, the the Limp Biscuit biopic is yeah. going to be amazing. Who's going to be Fred Durst? <laughs> Adam Driver is. <laughs> but we shouldn't waste time here talking about the nonsense we're doing because we actually have a guest on this week's show. So we're thrilled to have him with us. Show that I love. He has a podcast I love to listen to. Spectacular show. This week we've got John O'Connor with us. Thank you for having me, guys. John O'Connor also penciled in to play Fred Durst in the Limp Biscuit <laughs> biopic. I yeah, I see you've it. got the same, uh, he's got that new mustache look, and, and you're rocking yeah. the same. That, my nickname in high school was Chocolate Starfish. <laughs> as long as it wasn't hot dog flavored water, <laughs> you know what time it is. <laughs> That's at the end of the trailer. <laughs> So yeah, thanks. Thank you for coming back, John. Uh, if you guys haven't been with us the whole time, John was with us way back on season one of the show. So go back and listen to that. Brass cow, right? The brass, brass cow. cow. That's right. That was that one. Yep. And they and were all I dressed actually, up in the old timey. Uh, the turtles were all dressed up like old timey gangsters. And I actually, when I invited you on for that one, didn't know you had a podcast at the time. <laughs> like I thought, um, I thought uh, I was just inviting you on because I knew you were a funny guy. And then I, at the end of that episode, was like, "Do you have anything you want to promote?" And you were like, "Yeah, I got a podcast." I'm like, "Oh, I should have done my research." <laughs> <laughs> but I've I've since become an avid listener, and uh, I highly recommend it to our listeners. It's a it's a great show. You know, why don't you why don't you talk say, about it right yeah. now? <laughs> you, you can probably promote it better than I can. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, I appreciate it. It's uh, basically I just um, I have a show where I. Depends. Sometimes I have guests on and they pick the subject, but usually, lately, the past I don't know, few months or so, it's been all almost all video game related. Uh, and uh, basically, I just have an interview with the person, or if I do it by myself, I, I just talk about what I like about whatever it is. And I also try to mix in some comedy and entertainment bits. I do a lot of like editing and sound effects and basically just silly stuff. But I do have a few Ninja Turtle episodes. If anybody would be interested you could go back and listen to them i talked about what i got sick with covid not to go down a whole rabbit hole but i got sick with covid at like the end of last year so i couldn't really do voices and all this other stuff so one episode i legitimately just sat there and ranked my favorite turtles like in order and why 
<laughs> and it's like 40 minutes of me just yep, talking yep. about. I was about to say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's maybe a little too long, but I had fun. And then my girlfriend and I did an episode for Ninja Turtles in time uh, on Super Nintendo one time. So my God, we're, we're already on issue 59 of this book. Yeah, we're on 59 city at war part 10, 10 Ow. parts into this big old story. That's what we're here to talk about today. So, story by Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird, script by Peter Laird and Jim Lawson, pencils by Jim Lawson, inks by Keith Aiken, and lettering by Mary Kelleher. We got a cover date of May of 1993. So, let's take a look at this month back in May 93. This month in entertainment. The movies that came out in May of 1993 that I found. Uh, Much Ado About Nothing, which is a a movie people talk about that I have known nothing about. Is that the version Keanu's in? Probably. It's 93, so he's starting to get into stuff. He's starting to branch, I think, a little bit at that point. Dragon, the Bruce Lee story, came out that month as well. I remember that. Probably the Ninja Turtles' favorite movie. That was an alright biopic. Do you remember the movie Dave? Uh, Kevin Klein is the president. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Presidential lookalike that came out. Hot Shots Part Deux. Ooh. Another one that came out that month. That's that. That has one of my favorite gags in one of those types of movies when Charlie Sheen and Martin Sheen pass each other on the river and they both go, "I loved you in Wall Street." <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, also, Menace to Society, yep. and the big one that came out this month, or May of 93, Super Mario Brothers the Movie. Which I did see in the theater, because we were given too, the yep. choice between that and Jurassic Park at the time, and for some reason, we were the only kids who were like, Super Mario Brothers! <laughs> so I didn't see Jurassic Park until like five years ago when they re-released it in 3D was when I saw it in the theater. Yeah, you chose poorly. I did. The The Billboard number one songs when this comic came out, uh, May 1st, the number one song was Freak Me by Silk. It was also the number one song May 8th. And then the rest of the month was That's the Way Love Goes by Janet Jackson. So Janet Jackson's going to dominate the boards for a little bit. All right. And then video game news from that month. Nintendo Power's cover was Batman Returns with Link's Awakening gameplay preview. And I I looked at a scan of this issue, and there's actually a behind-the-scenes piece about the Super Mario Brothers movie that I'm definitely going to go back and read. (laughs) Like, there's got to be some insanity written in that article of them just like coming up with the best possible spin they could put on the nonsense that that movie became (laughs) how do we put that the actors were usually drunk most of the time (laughs) i saw like there was a picture of yoshi in there the the movie version of yoshi and it's clearer than anything you see in the movie it's like a behind the scenes picture and i'm like oh that's what that thing looks like I always have wondered, like, I, I kind of get why Bob Hoskins and Leguizamo did that movie. But I'm curious what the pitch to Hopper was. I'm sure it was money. But, like, <laughs> how did they explain that? Where you're like, you know that game where the plumber jumps over the dinosaur on the bridge and he falls in the lava? We want you to play the dinosaur. 
And uh, that issue also had a be on the lookout. I don't know what we'd call it. The, the, this move, this video game's getting made. Uh, they, they had a thing for Battletoads Double Dragon, which is an awesome game. Could you hit each other in that game? Like punch the other guys on your team? <laughs> there was, yes. Uh, so that was an optional mode. I don't remember what they called it, but like there was like A, A game, B game, C game, whatever. And like in one of them, you could damage your teammate, but you could select a different way to play because that could get annoying. <laughs> yeah, and that was one of those things where like games that forced you to do that. Inevitably, someone would hit the other teammate by accident. Yeah. But then that teammate would be petty and retaliate. It's like, bro, we're just trying to get farther here. <laughs> yeah. Don't take it out on me. It was, it was a little clip. It was my bad, all right? No, I'll be honest. To continue. Yeah, exactly. Like I would purposely punch my brother and they'll be like, oh, I'm sorry. Oops. <laughs> You're one of those, Flanagan. I knew it. <laughs> yeah. See it in your eyes. <laughs> it's in cold eyes. And then the TV events I have for when this comic came out. So May 13th, a cartoon version of Barry White shows up on the season finale of The Simpsons. Whacking Day. Whacking Day, yep. That was an excellent episode. May 19th, uh, the gang at West Beverly graduates high school in season no. three finale of Beverly Hills 90210. Let's see. Oh, this is a good night of television. May 20th. NBC airs the fourth season finale of Seinfeld. Back to back, the next thing on is the series finale of Cheers, which was watched by 80.4 million people. Wow. That's crazy. I didn't know Cheers was like, still on. That It says right here, that's when it stopped. Yep. And then the last thing I have for uh, when this comic came out, Saturday Night Live. So May 8th, it was hosted by Christina Applegate with musical guest Midnight Oil. And then May 15th, it was hosted by Kevin Kline with musical guest Willie Nelson and Paul Simon. Interesting. This is actually the first time I noticed this. We don't have that dream team of a cast anymore. We have the first departure. So, uh, John, we've been saying like this was like the best section of Saturday Night Live for us because it had like this bleed over of these two teams. Yes. And right now the team is Chris Farley, Phil Hartman, Mike Myers, Kevin Nealon, Chris Rock, Rob Schneider, uh, Julia Sweeney, Ellen Cleghorn, Tim Meadows, Adam Sandler, and David Spade. And the one that we lost, oh, also Al Franken. And um, the one we lost is Dana Carvey is no longer in the cast, but a few episodes ago when we were doing this, all those names plus Dana Carvey. Wow. That is wild. Talk about the stacked roster. Yeah. His last episode was February 6th. I looked it up, so, of of the year we're talking about. Bizarre that he left before the end. Yeah, it it was like... He did like two episodes of the new season and then was like, all right, I'm done. I like, I don't know if there was a reason behind it. There's a really good SNL book that I have read, but oh, I haven't yeah. read it in a long time. Where it, it it's like the whole history of Saturday Night. It's called Live from New York. And it is the perfect bathroom book because all of the <laughs> stories are only like a few paragraphs long from yeah. everybody's different perspectives. So you can just leave that in the bathroom, read a story or two come back another time I, I i've heard of that book but I've, I've never read it that's that's fun though that's a good thing to have in the bathroom i think that episode with applegate is also famously 
the one where Chris Farley debuted the motivational speaker, Matt Foley. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah, probably. Yeah. Farley had that character in his back pocket from, like, Second City years ago, but he never had done it on TV. So in the dress rehearsal, he came out and played it totally straight and didn't go way (laughs) over the top. So then when they went live, he came out and went berserk. And that's why if you watch that that clip, David Spade is laughing, Christina Applegate is laughing. Like, the whole cast is laughing in in the sketch because none of them knew he was going to do this. What, what, wasn't the fall into the table something he just did at the moment, too? <laughs> Might yes. have been. Who knows? Yeah, I think I do remember that from the book. Yeah. So that's that's the time period this comic came out in. Now we can actually jump into the comic book. So the, the cover's weird because to me it, it looks like the turtles are being crammed into the cover. Like, forcibly. <laughs> like, I don't know. They, like they're they trying look, to break a, a phone booth record or something? Yeah, yeah they look very uncomfortable. Uh, this may be one of the funniest mean mugs they've ever given Raph. <laughs> the way he's looking at the reader. Uh, and I think it's funny the way he's holding the sigh, and I know Donnie's holding his bow, but with the placement of Donnie's hand, it looks like Raph's got both the weapons it's an okay cover i guess it's not great but it's not uh last week's so it also kind of looks like a ninja mosh pit a little bit like the way leo is backing in yeah it's funny i actually did not know this until you guys asked me to read this at this issue i actually owned this issue as a kid and I specifically bought it because I, because I thought the cover was cool. And I never opened it. I never even read it. I had it, and I just <laughs> thought it was a cool cover. And I had it for years. I bought it at a convention or something. So today, when you you know when I had the link and I opened it up, I was like, oh, I remember this one. I don't know how it goes, but I used to hang, have this hanging on my wall. I think this look for the Turtles is what they were emulating at the beginning of the IDW run. If you look at, like, the first five issues on IDW, they've got kind of the same mouth. I don't know how to describe it. It it always looks like they're just, like, in pain. <laughs> this, like, mm. yeah, yep. And that's what they were on the covers of those early IDWs. So I, that that might be what they were going for. Yeah, so diving into the book, maybe you guys know, we we get the typical 80s montage of the turtles constructing something. And I don't know what it is. We're not supposed to know yet. Okay, so it's not relevant to this issue. No, no, this is like set up for later on. All right, because I I like the moment. And then we see a bunch of foot soldiers running across the rooftops and one of the foot elite watching them from further up hanging off a gargoyle, which I love this image because I don't feel like I've ever seen it in a comic where they're kind of just using the gargoyle for support. Usually they're on top of it or in between them. So I just thought that was a really cool, different take on that imagery. It's something that we see a lot in these turtle books is these rooftop running shots. And it's, it's cool. Every time it has not worn out. It's welcome. Like it, they always find a way to keep it interesting. I don't know how. So the foot elite jumps down, and then bef- 
before he continues, he's kind of hiding on the other side of the roof. He sees a couple foot soldiers and what appears to be um, Shredder running across the roof. And uh, the foot elite is confused because, you know, Shredder's been killed twice at this point, And yet here he is running on the roof. It would confuse me. And then we get an update to the old man who's walking around. Isn't that picture of the clown just depressing? They love to put pictures like that in, in stuff, though. We we haven't seen it in a long time. I feel like it's been like five or six issues since we've seen a, a weird framed photo, framed picture. But it's it's classic TMNT. And the funny thing I noticed, I, I know we've said that the Mirage women kind of blend together. If you're looking at these three panels at the bottom of page five, if you look at the news reporter and then you look at the doctor in the third panel who looks like he's trying to, like, hope the guy's not going to ask him a question, it looks like the same guy. It does. I I don't know if it's, you know, as I said, I can't draw, but I'm wondering if they were just, we're going to get this done. So, yeah, you're both these guys now. Yeah, the doctor kind of looks like uh, Hank Hill without his glasses. Oh my god, he does. <laughs> Don't ask me about medicine. Ask me about propane and propane products. Where's that live-action movie? I always see those amazing like fan casts with Tom Hanks and Michael uh, Matthew McConaughey, <laughs> and I forget who else, but we're overdue for King of the Hill as a movie. That'd be fantastic. It'd be so good. Dang it, Bobby. And Bobby is just all CGI. <laughs> <laughs> that boy ain't real. <laughs> so we catch up with Casey at the diner. I guess he doesn't work there anymore because he's at the counter on the other side. Well, we never officially figured out if he did. So I just maybe assumed he, never did. he did, but who knows? So the so guy does the, look like he's blackout drunk on black coffee, though. Yeah. That's kind of been his his story arc, really, at this point. So, so those two guys from way back when who stole his car pull up. Well, before we get to them, I, to piggyback off what John said there, it's like, well, I, I'm assuming he was probably, like, up all night drinking or something. Yeah. And... and the end of last issue, he took that big journey to scatter Gabe's ashes. And I'm like thinking, like, who's watching the baby? Yep. It's it's he's got a newborn baby and he seems to have all this kind of time to himself, which I've never had kids. But uh, from what I hear, when you have a newborn baby, you have no time to yourself. Don't tend to leave them on their own, and I know he's not on good terms with the supermarket manager, so they ain't <laughs> Yeah. He's got no one to watch this kid, but who knows? But out those, of sight, out of mind. We can't ask about Those guys show it. up again who stole his car, and is the truck parked next to the diner? Is that the truck those guys had? Because if so, they've left this truck here for like four months now. That's a good question. <laughs> because K- Casey doesn't appear to have driven there because they had the Jeep, which he smashed last time for no reason. But yeah, so he goes outside because he's finally ready to take these two guys on. And you get one of the most awkward 
the panels of fighting in any like issue of the series so far where Casey looks like he's just kicking the other guy in the foot. Like I know it's supposed to be he's kicking him in the chest, but the way it's drawn, it's just kind of bizarre looking. So yeah, for, fl- it, for flying sidekick, he's not that high off the ground. No, <laughs> not at all. Uh, so, yeah, he fights the two guys. They try to gang up on him. For some reason, Casey's superpower, I guess, is jumping on his car, which, like, powers him up, I guess. I don't know. He seems to get, like, more energy. Haven't you seen Star Wars, Sean? He had the high ground. Oh, okay. <laughs> So you do get a much cooler full panel of him jumping off the hood of his car and kicking one of the guys right in the face. And I kind of like the the layout of this. I know that that's something that I've discovered doing the show is I'm kind of a layout like nerd. But I like how it's got the guy he's kicked. Casey's hovering over him, holding him up, and the car is kind of looming over both of them. I just like the imagery. And then... a wolf chihuahua mix shows up. Like, it doesn't look like an actual real dog breed. It's Inky. It's Inky? Yeah, so Inky, it's it's like a cameo appearance. Uh, I, I This is how deep I dive into turtles. So Inky is this thing created by Eric Talbot that he put in a lot of the Archie Ninja Turtle Adventure comics. And... <laughs> And it's like this is like a cameo by so, by Inky. Is this their subtle commentary on those books by having Casey drop kick this thing on top of the sign? Like, <laughs> I think so. I don't know. <laughs> it seems a bit harsh. Like I I feel bad for Inky. He comes out of nowhere, and now he's trapped <laughs> on a sign. It was very aggressive because even the noise, even the sound, the onomatopoeia that they leave, it wasn't whack or wham or pow. It was literally boot. (laughs) Yep. You kicked a field goal with the dog, basically. (laughs) I guess so. And and he landed on the crossbar, too. That's the other thing. Yeah. Yeah, This diner is dad approved, if anyone forgot. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, it's on the sign. I feel like it was there last time, but it, it stuck out to me a little more. We catch up with Splinter, who seems to be healed. And again, I love the layout of these pages, you know, where he's making his way out of this ravine hole he's fallen in. I just think it's weird because it's revealed he stumbles upon the Rat King's bones. So I don't mm-hmm. know if the Rat King, like, died immediately after Tails or what happened. Because to decay that much, that takes time. <laughs> well, here's what I understand it to be. I could be wrong about this, but if you remember at the end of his issue of Tales of the, the TMNT where he was introduced, basically at the end of that issue, he's like covered in rats at the end. Oh, okay. So I think that's basically what happened. And, and the Rat King that we saw this whole story was basically like his like, ghost or whatever haunting that place remember i said the rat force like started yeah, like he's yeah. strong with the rat force he's a rat force ghost so all right that's what basically happened here and that's why he was able to like make splinter kind of hallucinate that giant rat monster that one time 
All right, that that makes more sense, though I'm still confused why Splinter states, I need to find him and thank him. Yeah, that doesn't track for me. (laughs) Thank you for making me cannibalize my own species and for (laughs) yammering on for two months straight instead of helping me. Now we know he was a rat ghost. So There's another thing about this issue that, that didn't add up for me, but we're not there yet. Okay. Well, I I do and I don't buy this. A splinter crawls out of the Chernobyl Tower. Like, just Spider-Man climbs up the wall. And I, the reason I have trouble with it is there's a panel where they show his hands pretty distinctly. And they're very human. They're not very rat-like. So I have no idea what he's gripping on other than sure, like, sheer will and determination. But Splinter gets himself all the way to the top. And <laughs> here we go. The baby wasn't in the car, right? Because the guy took the car. So <laughs> here's Casey and the baby. Well, he, he went to wherever the baby was. <laughs> put the car seat in. Got some groceries, apparently. Some groceries, some tapes, the baby book. The funny thing is, is I don't think the guys left the car filthy. I think the car was relatively (laughs) clean and Casey refilthied it. (laughs) But yeah, he's he's cruising down the highway in what doesn't seem to be the most particularly safe manner to have a newborn baby in the front seat. Well, it was 93. He's right. got a lap strap across the child backwards in the passenger seat. We all we all remember how you could ride around in the nineties in like the back of a an SUV or like the bed of a truck. It was it was just the way things were then. There were no rules. <laughs> it was a suggestion. So we catch up with April and Robin who have made their way back the second time around shop which is condemned it looks like the fire was put out so the building is still standing at least april's thinking about clearing all the uh money issues and holds on it and maybe opening it back up so i thought that was kind of a nice payoff for where hopefully in another location because you're never going to get that this building was on fire smell out of it (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, she sells antiques, so that might kind of go with the charming thing. So that that's where April is, and it turns out that's where the turtles are. They're uh, inside the building on multiple floors, meeting with the shredder. And it turns but out she doesn't know that she she no, drives she away before she sees them. But the turtles do see April. So Mikey and Donnie are kind of keeping watch and Raph and Leo are talking to the Shredder who, dun dun dun, ends up being Karai. I don't know, I thought it was interesting and weird that Karai wanted to come see where the Turtles were living way back in issue 10 when Shredder returned. Yeah, I can't decide if I like that or not. It, it, It definitely seems like something where this place is important to us as the reader who love Ninja Turtles and, and, you know, love that scene. So they tried to like shoehorn in a reason for it to be important to her because I, this wouldn't be where, where they're 
journey was born. You know, this is kind of where that all came to a head. But I don't know. It was that I thought that was weird. It doesn't work as well as like Cletus Cassidy going back to the orphanage and Maximum Carnage. Like that has yeah. the actual like strong connection for him. So, like yeah, by I, the time this place was on fire, they had already killed the first Shredder. Yeah. You know, so it seems like between that point and that point, there would have been, you know, something more, more significant. So Leo bends down and finds a ghost from the past. He says a picture of Casey and April together. That's the thing I have issue with. So there is no way for that picture to be there. Casey and April didn't meet until the place was on fire. <laughs> yep. So they didn't have this photo together. It wasn't Casey showed up, screamed Gungala, and went, hold on, Shredder. Can you just get one of us? Thank you. And then they fought. So at some point, they went back and they put the photo into the rubble. <laughs> I don't I don't know. Like, I... I I guess I can give it a pass, but it just, it, it irked me definitely when I read it. <laughs> I was like, it, it, no, it, that, that doesn't line up. That's why I'm so glad we noticed different stuff because it didn't even occur to me. And you're absolutely right. Like, there's no reason for that to be there unless <laughs> April, like, snuck by and dumped all the photos there for some reason. Or... I mean, they, I mean, they might as well have made it the photo that you remember way back. Oh, in, yeah. I think it was like. It was the story right before City at War, uh, before Casey Jones left. He he found a picture of yeah him, April, and the turtles. Yep, it might as well have been that picture. I don't know why, but I really like the panel of Karai putting the helmet back on. It's very Darth Vader. That might be why. And then uh, there's a loud crack, and the foot elite drop in through the ceiling. Get another uh, really cool angle. And that's where the issue ends. So you know the next one's going to start off with some crazy fight scenes. So that's that's going to get you buying next month's issue for sure. I like how Donnie just looks like, oh, for crying out loud. Like, <laughs> he's all done with this. But Raph is surprised. I don't know why. Yeah, but overall it was, it, you know what, I'd say it was better than last week's issue where we were just kind of setting the pieces up and, and getting people into motion. I mean, this was a little bit more of that, but at least Casey Jones had some cool story beats. I really liked the stuff with Splinter climbing out of the silo and the the reveal of the Rat King's skeleton. That was really cool. Yeah, I, I like those pieces of the story a lot, actually. I mean, I really dig the beginning with the foot and everyone running across the rooftops. And I'm glad to know I'm not crazy that the turtles building, whatever isn't a factor yet, but I, I guess it's about equal to the last issue to me. Like it's more exposition, more setup. It's done well. You know, I mean, you get interesting threads, you wrap up splinter and the rat King, you at least get April to, starting point of where her arc's going to go the rest of the issue. And you do give Casey a moment because he's on the road. So clearly he's headed back to New York. So I like that. It's kind of building up to everyone getting back together. 
when I see Splinter climbing that thing, and I know I've said this before, it reminds me so much of The Dark Knight Rises now. Like, I can't not see it. <laughs> I was going to say the same thing. Oh, cool. Yeah. Like, Chase you need the chant. <laughs> I forget the chant exactly, but something like that. I'd give it a 3.5. It was a little better than last issue, but I'm more excited for what's to come. Yeah, that's that's what I gave it on a scale of 1 to 5. I, I'm, I'm with you there. It was better than last issue. Definitely, there's only three issues left now. So they're ready to kick it in a high gear. John, if so you what, had to score this on a <laughs> one to five, what would you give this issue? Well, I would first like to just say, full disclosure, I did not read the story leading up to this. I just read this issue. So there were a lot of things out of context, right? So, for instance, I saw Casey look out the window and then go outside and assault two guys <laughs> in their car. You know, no I was going to bring, I was going to ask that when we were on that part of the story and I forgot to circle back to it. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I thought he was like a good guy. He's just beating the tar out of these two dudes. <laughs> and and then he stole their baby. Yeah. <laughs> um, that being said, I thought the issue was very cool. Like you said, Sean, that, that particular frame where, or, uh, I think it's a frame where Karai puts the shredder helmet back on. Looks really cool. Because she's she's drawn the same way that Shredder always was with the like the silhouette not the silhouette but the shadow over her face so all you see are the white parts of her yeah. eyes under the helmet I think that's really cool and I mean overall I thought this was a was a cool issue especially the the bar fight with Casey or the diner fight um, and the scene like you said in the beginning where they're kind of the Foot Clan's racing across a rooftop that's always that's that's Turtles one hundred and one. There better be a bunch of people silently running across a rooftop or else you messed up. So, yeah, no, I mean, on a, on a scale of one to five, I, I, I would give it a, a, a three right in the middle okay. because I didn't – I had nothing <laughs> to base it on. But I would say so to, now that knowing the backstory, maybe it's, maybe it's what Sean said. Maybe it's a 3.5. <laughs> so just to set you at ease about the child endangerment that charges we're putting on Casey Jones here, uh, that, that baby is his stepdaughter. Um, in, um, in the story leading up to this, Casey started dating a girl named Gabrielle who is, who was pregnant when he met her. And then, uh, she died in childbirth, uh, birthing that baby. Um, they got married. I forgot to throw that in there. They got married. And so now that is his stepdaughter. Um, and he is recently widowed. Yeah. And if those guys stole his car, I put myself in that position. I would have told that bar, that diner guy, but I'll be right back. I would have <laughs> grabbed like a, like a hatchet or something and run out. I don't know why they'd have a hatchet in the diner, but you know, if you it's know a woodsy what? town, maybe they, you know, if it's like a lumberjack joint. You know what? Now that I think of it, this is kind of, this might've been intentional. So when his car got stolen by those guys, that's how he and Gabe met is they stole his car and she saw him basically, you know, get his butt kicked out in the parking lot yeah. and started talking to him. And um, so now it's kind of like, okay, he's got his old car back. He's trying to probably get his old life back now, pick up where he left off before before Gabe. But now he's he's got his daughter with him, his stepdaughter. So, Gang's all here. <laughs> and she's going to be um, 
a factor in the next volume of Ninja Turtles. She's going to go on to be named Shadow Jones. Ooh. I don't know how I feel about that name, but I got time to think on it. Sounds like an instant messenger screen name. (laughs) (laughs) Shadow Jones just logged off. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I think that's all I have to say about that issue, but I do have a toy figure to tie in here. Oh, sort of. boy. Uh, <laughs> sort of. Did you find for this? Pizza power! Terminate the turtles. Oh, goody. Fresh turtles for lunch. Turtle soup. My favorite. <laughs> you shellheads are dead. From Playmate. So, I mean, second time around got burned to the ground, we know this. Happened in issue 10, way back in issue number 10. And obviously, when it got burned to the ground, eventually there were some firefighters to put that fire out. Oh, I see what you did. Alright, that's a good one. So, so the toy figure I picked for this week's issue is Hose'em Down Don, the firefighting footfighter. His accessories are Easy Access Axe, uh, Sizzle Fizzle Sewer Seltzer Bottle, and a Fighting Fire Hydrant Hose. The favorite phrase they wrote on the figure? Favorite phrase. Ouch. (laughs) Why? Not good at being a firefighter? Like, yeah, you don't have a a single fire pun to put on this firefighter toy? That was someone forgot to do it, and they were walking into the boss's office. And it was like, (laughs) and they just squeezed it. Yeah, they just scratched that down before anybody caught them. What do firefighters say? Ouch. Yeah, whatever. Ouch, from the fire, you know, ouch. Like firefighters say. His favorite color is fire engine red, so they pulled it together there. And then the description. Chill out and cool down, because Hose'em Down Don is blazing a trail through the scorching sewers. The heat is on as this frantic firefighting foot fighter sizzles into action. Hose'em Down Don's a flame-fighting fool who won't rest till a hot-headed hoodlums to all the hot-headed hoodlums are locked away. Foot fiends can run, but they can't hide from Hose'em Down Don's Sizzle Fizzle Sewer Seltzer Bottle. And if those mechanical menaces hide behind closed doors, Don's Easy Access Axe is the perfect pass key. Shredder's metallic mutants will wait as they're turned into short circuit switches from Don's fast acting fighting fire hydrant. So be cool and don't get hot under the collar. Hose'em Down Don's on the job and he was part of the 1991 basic figures the other figures in this set are skateboard mike uh, make my day leo that's the one where he's a cop sergeant bananas zach the neutrino walkabout this is a big set worm tattoo toka chrome dome who we've done on this show before uh razar Ground Chuck, we've done before, Dirtbag, Space Usagi, and Super Shredder. We're all part of this collection. So if the two of you were to guess, you're never going to believe the cost on this one. 
in package. Well, no, you know what? It probably is high because I'll bet there's a lot of people who are like super into firefighting and probably there's a Venn diagram of them who are also super into Ninja Turtles. So in package, uh, I'm going to say because you said it's unbelievable, I'm going to go super high and say 200 bucks. Is it mint in package or just in package? Mint in package. Mint in package. I'll say, where are we looking at this? eBay? Yeah. I'll say 325 Oh, my. Oh, my. No, $130. Oh, you fool. Close them down. <laughs> that's not that bad. <laughs> One thirty for a single figure, though, is that's. I mean, especially like hose them down, Don. It's not like everybody was clamoring for it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I'm sure it's cool, but like, it's not like all of my friends were like, "You didn't get hose them down, Don, loser." <laughs> <laughs> I like that they're basically t- like saying that he uses his axe like like in The Shining. Yeah, <laughs> like that's all I like, pictured. Really when painted you said this that. picture of these foot soldiers cowering behind a wooden door and then donnie just here's donnie like we're so sorry and that he's bringing a seltzer bottle to put out a fire yeah he's not seem effective yeah for the smartest turtle that seems pretty dumb but plus he has a fire hydrant with him yeah he has a fire hydrant and a hose right and he's like hey and seltzer just for good measure yep (laughs) those are his accessories yeah so the I Donatello was one I had a lot of the variations on. This was not one of the figures I had. I don't think I knew anyone who had this one. I didn't have it. But yeah, I I don't know. I was surprised at one thirty just because it's still pretty early in the toy run. So I'm sure they made quite a few of him. It's not like the later mm-hmm. ones where there's significantly you know fewer figures. But I don't know. I. Maybe I was a weird kid, but I never got into, like, firemen or ambulance driver, police. Like, I don't know. That stuff just didn't do anything for me. I did when I was little. Like, you know, five or six or maybe four. I don't know. I was into it then. But after that, it was like, oh, I'd rather have Thundercats or Turtles or Ghostbusters or whatever, you know. I got into those types of, like, vehicles for the... The crash test dummies toy. The crash test yeah. dummies toys. Yeah, like they they had some cool cop cars and ambulances Which, and stuff, but never the actual like occupation was an interest. <laughs> the, the crash test dummies toy line is one of the strangest things ever, and yeah. I wish there was a toys that made us episode on it. Yeah, that's one they're definitely lacking. How did you go from? Adds to wear your seatbelt to a <laughs> toy line. Yeah, I mean, I not even just toys. There were video games. I had two Crash Test Tummies games. I had a, a Game Boy game, and I think they had a Super Nintendo game. I think they had a, a show or TV movie or something, too, because... They had a cartoon show, yeah. Definitely. And a were, band. Were, <laughs> yes. They were a really popular band in the 90s. <laughs> but yeah, they, they made weird, like, evil crash test dummies. Like, only one of them had a normal head but red eyes, and the rest had, they, like, yeah. engine blocks for heads No, and stuff. those took a page out of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle figure line, where, like, some of them had, like, hubcaps and, like, different, like, you know, objects for, for arms and legs and stuff. 
I remember that not all of them, but like the basic crash dummies that like came with the cars and stuff. If you used them enough, the joints would get messed up so the limbs wouldn't stay in. And mm-hmm. like I get they were meant to fall apart, but I don't know. They a really weird designed like. Line. They had like a torture chamber for one of the toys, like yeah, not literally, chair. but it it was like a little dentist chair. Yeah. yeah, and you'd put the dummy in it, and you'd basically torture him. You'd pull him apart. Yep, that'll teach kids to wear their seatbelt. <laughs> I think I had a the crash test center set. Like it was stupid. It was just like a wall, and then it had a a chair. You could launch them into a brick wall that broke. It like. I don't know. Looking back, I, I want to ask Gidme, like, what's the appeal here? <laughs> I don't understand why you, you got into this, but okay. But, um, yeah, before we wrap things up, one thing we didn't do at the top of the episode, but we could do here. I don't think we asked John his no, we didn't. Ninja Turtle history last time we had him on. So, so John, what is, like, I, I know you're a super big Ninja Turtle fan. What is, like, your... Like, first memory of the Turtles. How did you get into the franchise? My first memory of the Turtles was I lived in Roslindale, which is a section of Boston. And my buddy DJ, who lived across the street, just, like, he was going inside. We were outside playing, and he was going inside, and then he yelled across the street to me, like, Oh, John, Ninja Turtles is on today! Because this was back when season one was just that five-part miniseries. Yep. Yep. So, you know, like once a year or then eventually like maybe twice a year or something, they would play Ninja Turtles, like the week between Christmas and New Year's or something. They would do mm-hmm. that or something like that. So I remember just running inside because that sounded awesome and putting it on. And I don't rem- – there was no like memory burned into my brain. There was none of that. But I remember watching the first episode and then w- once I knew it was on, I remember – uh, we had we had a den and we had a living room, which the living room was like the formal room you don't go in. I would go mm-hmm. into the living room, which had a TV, and my mom didn't care because I was like, you know, just chilling out in there. I'm like watching TV, and I I had these like sheets of paper, and as I was watching the the cartoon, I was like drawing with like it, I had two <laughs> a green and like a pink highlighter. But I was just drawing this gigantic scene of like all the turtles fighting, like while I watched this show. It was it was it was straight up little kid crystal meth. It was like the yeah. happiest <laughs> I'd ever been in my life. That's so funny because that reminds me of like I had I hadn't thought about this in forever. But that is how little kids draw. It's like you've you've got like whatever wherever your parents keep the drawing stuff and it's got like three crayons um like one marker and then like some highlighters it's just things that can write on paper get thrown in there a couple of pens yeah. <laughs> it's like you got to you got to piece together what you can to to make your your art yes it was it was fun but i used to draw turtles so much that i actually used to we had like homeroom at the end of every day in grammar school and i used to draw turtles so much and I was actually kind of a decent artist as a kid that people would ask me to draw them turtles. So I would have oh. – some days I'd have like an order that I had to fill. Like, oh, i got to <laughs> do two Mikeys and a Leo today or something. And then, oh, sorry, Stephanie, tomorrow I'll get you that raff. I, I ran out of time. <laughs> Here's your invoice. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that was my history. I, I 
saw them first then as a cartoon, and I basically have never, ever stopped loving them. I think that's everything we had to say about this issue. I don't want to step on anyone's toes. Anyone have any any other thoughts? Teenage Mutant Ninja (laughs) Crash Test Dummy Turtles. So definitely check out Spectacular Show. John, why don't you tell people where they can find that? I know it's on iTunes. I don't know the other roads you can go. Spectacular Show, you can go to the, if you want to just listen on the web, it's on podomatic.com slash Spectacular Show. I think that's the address, I believe. You, you could also just look for it on iTunes or Google Podcasts or wherever you have your podcast choices. The only thing I'm not on that I know for sure is Stitcher uh, because I just I had trouble getting it on there and I, I've never got, gotten it on there. But iTunes, Google, wherever else you get your podcast. I don't think we're on Stitcher either. I've never checked, but I don't think we are. If you're listening to this on Stitcher, let us know. <laughs> um, and you can contact us at all the normal places. We're at TMNT Nerds all over the place. Tweet at us and, yeah, let us know where you're hearing it so we know where we're going and where people are listening. And thank you for listening. And we will see you back here next week for issue 60. Nice round number. City at War is going to heat up. We'll see you then. The Ninja Turtle Nerds is a fan-supported podcast. If you'd like to support the show, head on over to patreon.com slash tmntnerds. If you'd like to see images of the comics we discussed in this episode, you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at tmntnerds. Have a question or comment for us? You can email us at tmntnerds at gmail.com. And if you like the show, be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you very much for listening.